morning, Paul. It's great to see you again back in the office. Take your seat there in the corner. Yes, yeah. Well, you're looking well. You're looking refreshed. And I'm, I'm hoping this glowing appearance of yours is due to what we were talking about in a previous session where I suggested that you go home and you just chill out and, and focus on some music. Um, it, have, please tell me that's what you've been doing at home. Uh, hail Satan, Dr. Heavy Metal. Yes, I've been uh, listening to lots of music, rocking out. Um, I, I, I've got some ear, ear pods. I've been going out in public and headbanging. It's, it's awesome. Oh, oh, oh. Um, that's not, I, I meant more like calming music, but um, I suppose the um, aggressive music might be a good outlet for you, I suppose. And, but, um, Paul, what is that on your shirt there? I was banging in the supermarket and uh, I actually uh, head banged into the sauce wall and I got sauce everywhere. Ah, so it's not blood. Okay, it's not blood. It's all okay. All right, it's just some sauce from the sauce wall. Right. Yeah, okay. Hail Satan. OCD, the DC Events Podcast, where we're looking at every single DC event from 1985's Crisis on Infinite Earths on up, and we have reached 2017, good grief, and we are looking at Dark Knight's Metal, and I am joined by two distinguished podcasters and comic fans, I have Ted Kilvington, hi Ted. Hello Paul. <laughs> and I also have Steve Lacey. Hi Paul, it's great to be back. Yeah, so we're we're bridging three continents um, and, yeah, covering a pretty good event. So, um, uh, six main issues in the series. Uh, there were 12 one-shots that tied into it, and there were eight issues of other comics uh, in their runs that tied in. But the main thing was written by Scott Snyder, with art by Greg Capullo and Jonathan Glapion, uh, lettered by Steve Wands, uh, coloured by Francisco Placinia, and edited by Rebecca Taylor and... Eddie Beganza, surely this is your last event. Okay, what what's this one about? So, Ted, um, are you able to summarize the plot? I have the plot. The demon Barbatos tricks Batman into opening a portal into the Dark Multiverse, unleashing a horde of evil hybrids of the Dark Knight and seven different heroes and villains. The hybrids are the Red Death, Batman and Flash, the Murder Machine, Batman and Cyborg, the Dawnbreaker, Batman and Green Lantern. The Drowned, a female Batman and Aquaman. The Merciless, Batman and Ares. The Devastator, Batman and Doomsday. And the Batman Who Laughs, Batman and the Joker. The DC heroes travel throughout the DC universe to defeat Barbatos and his hench Batman uh, as they try to sink Earth into the madness of the Dark Multiverse but they pay a price. 
Beautifully done, beautifully done. Yes. What did you guys think? Of it? Well, start with you, Steve. What do you think were the best bits about this event? The the stuff that made you go, ooh. I bought pretty much everything uh, for this event when it came out. Um, I, I kind of couldn't resist that good comicsy hit, um, and pretty much loved it from start to finish. I, I like that it's a big stakes, uh, proper cosmic crisis level event. But especially in the the core stuff, there is this sense of ridiculousness, uh, intentional ridiculousness, and not with, uh, there's no shying away from the fact that there is some very silly stuff going on there. But it leans into it, never lets it, I think, detract from the big stakes. But it, it gives a very different tone to a lot of events where everything is very po-faced and very serious. I mean, when you've got Batman making an escape from Challenger Island, clinging to the side of a dinosaur, or you know backed up in a tomb wielding baby dark side as a weapon um <laughs> there is a lot of fun in there um i don't i i think uh a lot of the one shots really work um i like the the dark uh <laughs> the dark judges version of batman let's face it there is a lot going on there that was done it, 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 we've got to acknowledge that um but there's some really good stuff in in these dark origins of these dark batman um and uh, there's an epilogue that I really, really love. I think it strikes one of the best end of event tones um, that there's ever been in comics. Hmm. Do you want to unpack the Dark Judges for those who uh, don't pick up on that reference? Uh, so the the Dark Judges are basically the, the prime nemesis of Judge Dredd in 2000 AD. Judge Death, Judge Fear, Judge Mortis and Judge Fire. And if you take a look at Brian Bolland's design of Judge Death and compare it to the Batman Who Laughs, um, it is very similar. <laughs> Although I personally believe that one who laughs is more influenced by the mouth of Sauron from the uh, expanded uh, cut of Return of the King. I think there's a lot more going on there, but there is a lot of similarity. So when the, that big double page spread that closes out, I think issue two was used as a big promo piece, everyone in comics went so they're doing dark judges are they <laughs> so yeah that, that's where that that dig comes from <laughs> and ted what do you think about this one what was your experience with it uh well i certainly agree with steve that uh while it, it was uh, cosmic in scope and there were certainly a lot of very uh dark aspects to it i mean it's dark is very the first word in the title but it also embraced the, the silliness of the DC universe. I mean, uh, Steve already mentioned my favorite part, you know, uh, Batman wielding the ultimate weapon, which was baby dark side in a bag. Um, <laughs> you know, like uh, never, I never occurred to me to a picture uh, Batman holding a sack full of baby dark side, but uh, we saw it here <laughs> and uh, lots of stuff with like a uh, detective chimp. And uh, <laughs> we now know what DC stands for. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. And I also, uh, I mean, I love the, the metaphor above the darkness of comics in general, uh, the, the, the superhero genre. Plus, I like the way they actually used uh, heavy metal music throughout. So uh, it all, uh, mm. to me, was very satisfying. There's lots of stuff that ties back to another favorite event of mine. So, so favorite, I recently dropped 150 euros on the omnibus, uh, but Final Crisis. So there's building on the themes, you know, Superman sung the universe and healed the universe with that at the end of that. So they take these idea of music, vibrations, chords, and that's led throughout here. Um, the idea of a universe being dragged down 
this time by Barbatos, but you know, in Final Crisis it was by the manifestation manif- by the manifestation of Dark Side. Um, it builds on uh, some of the RIP stuff that tied in with Final Crisis, and obviously then you have got things like the reappearance of Ultima Thule, the the ginormous trans-dimensional spaceship thing um, that was in the Superman Beyond. Um, One thing I absolutely love about this, and it doesn't happen very often, it centres Wonder Woman in a DC crossover event that isn't a Wonder Woman crossover event. Mm. Um, She is as key, if not more key, than Superman. Yeah, there's this great bit uh, in issue 7 where Kendra's explaining what Wonder Woman means um, how, how she inspires, what what she embodies in terms of friendship, which, which is just fantastic. So yeah, uh, to have her centred in this way, in a way that she's not in the other crises, is such a, a good thing to see. Um, she yeah, when I think of that last issue, I I basically think of her and I think of the epilogue. Yeah, yeah. Ted, um, what did you think was um, the best character stuff in the in the whole story? The best characters. Stuff. Certainly, uh, Batman goes through a lot in, in the course of the series. There's some good bits with several of the, the main heroes. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I would agree with Steve that uh, Wonder Woman certainly uh, comes off the best in, in the story. I mean, certain Batman uh, is played uh, like a fool by the, the demons throughout and mm. almost almost everything he does is uh, turns out to be the wrong thing. Uh, how great is it that, that to move away from the omnipotent, invincible Batman of Grant Morrison to the guy who fucks it up so badly? <laughs> right, right. That, that was another thing. They certainly turned... For a Batman-centric uh, series, it certainly flipped the whole, you know, the ultimate, invincible, omnipotent Batman on its head. Yeah. Mm. There's a, a brilliant moment with Batman where he and Superman, I think they're racing to the Forge of Souls, and Batman's just talking about his failures, his darkness, you know, all the things that we traditionally associate with Batman since 1986, and Superman gets him to focus on his successes, and the first thing Batman says with a gr- big smile on his face is Damien. And, uh, yeah, how nice to take the time to actually push Batman out of kind of the general state he's been in for 30 Yes. <laughs> right, right. One of the things that uh, intrigued me about the series is, of course, the um, all of the uh, hybrid uh, Batman are uh, created from Batman's nightmares. So in his nightmares, he is, you know, the, mo- the most powerful superhero ever who can defeat an entire universe uh, aligned against him. Of course, those are just his nightmares in the real world. Uh, he's not uh, greater than every other uh, creature in the universe. It's um, it's interesting because they're they all represent a Batman who failed as well. So you know, you get that sort of mm. falli- fallibility um, built into the core of the story. That you know, Batman, if Batman is a failure, this is how bad it is for everyone. So yeah, but I mean, structurally, it's a very interesting event because you've got the two um, prelude stories, the Forge and the Casting. Um, and then the miniseries starts proper, and then you get, uh, what, seven, uh, yeah, seven specials, one for each of the evil Batman, um, and then you get a little sort of side quest for a few of Batman's allies in the Teen Titans, Nightwing, Suicide Squad, and Green Arrow, and, um, that stuff is probably the least essential, I think, of the whole story. Yeah, those four issues. 
I see. I'd argue the Justice League stuff is more in essential. I quite like. I did a, obviously I reread for this. I, I found myself actually quite liking those four issues with the the, the was it Gotham Resistance is what it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's lots of nice character stuff in there, like Dick and Damien and their interactions throughout are really great because they they basically haven't seen Batman since they agreed to do the the wild chase at the start of issue two. They don't know what's happened to him. There's a suspicion that he's dead. Damien is obviously not going to accept that. Dick is far more realistic about it. And then that's paired off against Rob Williams's fantastic Suicide Squad, which is was you know how many issues it was of, of just insanity and his great uh, writing on that. Uh, and then you're tying in nicely with the Green Arrow stuff that was going on at the time. And it was lovely to see. Was it Juan Ferreri? Oh God, um, that's bad. Um, <laughs> Uh, Juan Ferreria, uh, apologies for butchering the surname. Lovely to see his art in there. Yep, yep, no good art in that one. Uh, but I think that that is easier to read and accept as a side quest than the Bats Out of Hell stuff, which literally uh, ends exactly where it starts. <laughs> with no one ever referencing it they, they uh, yeah there's a point where it's um aquaman and deathstroke they're going to atlantis aquaman's plucked out for his side quest throughout these four books then put back in and doesn't it's not talked about ever it's just like well that was a waste of time <laughs> oh i agree i agree at least with the, the gotham resistance uh arc uh, it, that at least they referenced it in uh, Metal Number Three when they said, "Well, hey, while we were in Gotham, we just we learned this." So, yeah. so at least that one bit was picked up. Whereas, yeah, in the Bats Out of Hell arc, n- nothing. If you hadn't known it, it existed, you would not have missed a thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely wasn't. Well, we we can't quite cancel Justice League yet because we're going to be off the shelves for a bit for no justice anyway. Uh, okay, fine crossover. <laughs> Did anyone notice that uh, Deathstroke was written like Deadpool in this? He, yeah, he he was a bit off centre from the priest stuff, right? Yeah, he's um, you know, making jokes and uh, just being inappropriate. He's acting like a really young character. It's it was quite strange. Um, yeah, right, right. And towards the end, we get the special Batman Lost, which is sort of an exploration of Batman's nightmares as he's um lost in the uh the underverse or what are we calling it um and then we get hawkman found which is um you know hawkman is sort of like uh the missing explorer through all this story that uh you know is responsible for it and it's a bit of a recasting of hawkman's history in that he's been obsessed with metal i mean it's the same with batman at the start he's obsessed with metal but um yeah the you know hawkman recruited the challenges of the unknown um, Shayera has joined the Immortal Men uh, as a woman. That's allowed. And then you get Metal Five, and then finally you get the Wild, uh, Dark Knights Rising: The Wild Hunt. Um, and it's interesting to note that they keep uh, coming and going with whether the, the Knights has a, a K or not throughout this series. It's sort of they can't stick to one thing. Mm. Um, and that has Grant Morrison involved with it, which um, it feels very much uh, like a Grant Morrison thing. And it also seems like something that Snyder was um, reaching for. And I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of love for multiversity in this story as well. So, yeah, that ties up all the bits and pieces. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the big impacts of this is how it expands the multiversity concept without saying, OK, 
Okay, actually, I was about to say, without saying there's more than 52 universes, but of course there's a 53rd one. Um, but it's not just going, oh, well, now there's 104 universes. Uh, you know, the concept is pretty simple. We've got a map of the multiverse. Let's turn it over what's underneath. And I, I like how the cosmology comes together in this. Um, these broken, failed, screwed up worlds where Barbatos is, is pulling out these Batman things to form his legion to assault the up above to pull that earth and primarily that bruce wayne down into his realm hmm. yeah yeah the the, the whole uh, cosmic scope was was played really well i mean we saw the the forge of worlds where you could literally see earth's bubble up from the forge hmm. and i think that kind of the, the concept of the earth being pulled down i think it comes across a lot clearer than it it did in final crisis which is another one where the earth is is being pulled down <laughs> Whereas that just felt like a sort of a concept that was occasionally referred to. Here, it, it's a far more tangible thing. Mm. Uh, that story element, Earth being pulled into the uh, Dark Realm, uh, was used a bit too much by, by DC. Uh, because just a few months after Metal ended, when uh, Brian Michael Bendis started his run on Superman, he, he had the Earth pulled into the Phantom Zone. And they're like, dude, we just saw this bit. <laughs> yeah, but you did get the fun bit then with Adam Strange in space going, uh, hello, has anybody <laughs> seen my planet? <laughs> yeah. So as an event, this is probably, uh, it's it's definitely an occupier, but it's also striving to be a launcher. So there were eight series that came out of this. Oh. And uh, yeah, there was, uh, they were the new age of heroes. This is the age of heroes, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they were. I think they were sort of attempting to be artist-centric uh, stories or you know projects. Um, but yeah, all of the the artist was credited first before the writer. That was one of the things they put forward. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the uh, the intent of that line is. Um, they wanted to have you know the hottest creators working on the books, but they deliberately priced them less than the main line. So. The, the royalties were going to be less for any of the, the people working on them. So, of course, yeah, the hot artists didn't stick around for long. But it then hopefully drives some more sales. I mean, it was... I always feel when you're launching a line of books out, at, coming out of an event, um, and, and most of them are new original concepts, you're kind of hobbling yourself. Um, you know, take a look at all the stuff that came out of Bloodlines. And how many hits did we get? Just the one. <laughs> oh, don't discount Anima. Well... Coming out of bloodline. Okay, one and a half. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So just um, I'll read out the names, and you you guys chime in if you um stuck with any of them beyond the initial uh, launch. So we got uh, damage, silence. No. Immortal men. Yes. No. Yes. Oh no, that was one of the worst things I think Jim Lee's ever put his name to. <laughs> Thankfully, you only ran for six issues. Oh, there you go. Mm. The silencer. Yes. I, I read the whole run of that. That's a good comic. That's a good concept, a good comic, and the first one to make a transition to live action because Silence has turned up in Arrow. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That was the best of the of the of that line. The Curse of Brimstone. No. 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 Uh, Sideways. Yes. Sideways was fun. I like that. I, I just wish DC could make their male teen uh, uh, Latino hero stick. Mm. Well, I... I... The line I have about Sideways, it is probably the best thing Dan DeDeal has ever written. Take that for what you will. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but I want to. <laughs> uh, the New Challengers. No. 
I've read it. I don't remember it. No, I haven't read it. Uh, the Trifics. Oh, yes. yes. That was a good one. Yeah. I, I stuck with it until it stopped being in print because um, it was one of the titles post initial pandemic hit to make a transition to digital and i just don't do comics digitally mm. yeah same here yeah but terrifics was great fun yeah i agree yeah and was anyone expecting the unexpected mm. no. <laughs> i don't even remember <laughs> that one <laughs> i i the only thing i remember about it is there is this weird glowing like ghost uh and there's and it was written by steve orlando uh, beyond that, I don't really remember anything about it. Um, one, one of the interesting things about the line is how many of the titles were analogs to Marvel characters, uh, because Sideways was kind of like a Spider-Man analog. Uh, Damage was kind of like a Hulk analog. The Terrifics were kind of like a Fantastic Four analog. Oh, but that, that, that was very deliberately. Um, it was... Well, if Marvel aren't going to publish a Fantastic Four book, then hand me that file. I'll get to work on the serial numbers and we'll publish it. Um, It it was very clearly that. Um, I miss the Terrific. I really like that. I I mean, I'm a huge Mr. Terrific fan. And I'm just remembering now how much I enjoyed that book and the great stuff it did with uh, his wife from another universe and that wonderful multiple um, choose your own adventure issue. Mm. (laughs) Well, when you say about launching, you looked at the new things, but it was also kind of this was the, the spark for the Justice League relaunches. That yeah. came along just afterwards. So through the filter of No Justice and then uh, Snyder's Justice League, um, Justice League Odyssey, which took a while to get going thanks to creative team changes, and Justice League Dark. That version of Justice League Dark is better than it ever should have been, and is even better now in the hands of Ram V. Yeah. Well, that comes back to that epilogue you were talking about where Batman sits everyone down and says, hey, let me tell you about our publishing plans for the next few years. And <laughs> well, yes, look at these immortal men. They shall be important and have at least seven issues. <laughs> yeah, no, that, but there was more the idea. So uh, one of the consequences of what happens here is they break the source wall. So it's like, well, we're going to celebrate tonight, but tomorrow there's probably something really bad about to turn up on our doorstep. So we need some teams to deal with it. Now, that was one of the things that, uh, uh, kind of threw me is that whole bit about the source wall occurred in like what two three panels and yeah. if you had uh skipped those three panels at half a page you know you might have been wondering what the heck's going on because it was so um irrelevant to everything that had led up to that point they weren't at no point prior to that page in the final issue, did they even ever mention the source wall? It's interesting because I had never, I hadn't read Metal till I did so for this podcast. And one of the, I knew two things about it. I knew all about the dark, um, evil Batman, and I knew the source wall gets shattered. So in my head, the entire last issue would take place right next to the source wall. And, um, you know, I, the whole way through, I was going, oh, maybe it's not this comic where the source wall gets broken. Maybe it's a different comic. And then, oh, here it is. And it just sort of slips in there at the last second. And, uh, you know, I in my head, it was yeah. way more significant than I originally thought. I think it, it was definitely a takeaway I took from the, the last issue because the source wall has been this thing for so long in DC and what's beyond it. And you get near it and you get sucked onto it and all of that stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, just to say about the epilogue, I tonally i think it's beautiful because it does set up stuff but it's not like in uh let's say at the end of secret invasion where the entire last issue is about going so norman osborne's in charge and hammer's a thing and this is our our direction it it really is a thing of 
we're going to chill, we're going to have dinner, we're going to have a party, Alfred's on drums, um, <laughs> which is, I think, one of my favourite images in this whole thing. I, I like Swamp Thing in a bow tie. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, that sounds terrible, but Miguel Yan is drawing it, and he, he nails it. And then Batman just sort of sneaks off with Superman and Wonder Woman and goes, some crap's coming our way, here's the Hall of Justice. Shall we do this? Yeah. And it, it just, it sets, it, it hits a really good note. And frankly, more events should end with a party. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. A lot of events end with, oh, thank God that's over. Um, but that's the, re- <laughs> the reader experience in many cases. Uh, so we might uh, play a promo and then come back for the scoring. The dawn of an age. The founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance. Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up. Too heavy. Can't move. Too heavy. We're all alive. I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. Look what's happened to you. You're changing. Oh, Reed, not you too. What happened to me? To all of us. I can fly. We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so was born the Fantastic Four. For soon the Mole Man will have the entire world in his power. I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth. And half mankind shall feel that might. The Fantastic Four. Little do they dream they're the palms in the hands of Dr. Doom. Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You Earthlings can't change the way I can. Got me down to those powerful cousins on Earth. I've been expecting you. For I am a thinker. I vow never to return, my lord, until the Fantastic Four are no more and the planet Earth is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ralatots, King of Kings, Master of Men, and Lord of the Seven Sons. You're just a muscular freak, blind or hulk. Stop! You must not end on the castle of Diablo. My journey has ended. This planet shall sustain him to let be drained of all elemental life. So speak, Galactus. Flame on! It's clobbering time! The Fantastic Four from the very beginning witness the origins of a legend. The Fantastic Cast. FFCast.Libsyn. Okay, so the way the scoring works, and um, I'm sure everyone is fairly familiar with it, but I'll go through in case this is someone's first episode, which it could be, but um, we score these events on four categories. They are eventiness, writing, art and covers, and the impact and legacy, and we each give it a score out of 10. One of us is the semi-OCD person whose score gets halved, so we can come up with a score that comes out of 100 instead of 120, which is much more metric and nice. Um, so, we will start off with scoring. So, Ted, what do you think of the eventiness of metal? I give it a six, and I do that because at the time it came out, it didn't really seem to have much impact on the other uh, issues that were published. So, I mean, there were those eight crossovers, but those were pretty much irrelevant. Uh, certainly, the whole Bats Out of Hell was irrelevant to even those own series. You know, if you pulled those out of, uh, they wouldn't, the series wouldn't have even noticed if you, if you were to reprint them without those issues or something like that. 
So I only give it a, a six because it just wasn't that eventing at the time. Mm. And what do you think, Steve? I went for a seven, similar reasons, but I, I'll note that this not crossing over into everything was very much the how DC's been doing its events since uh, probably Flashpoint, or maybe even before that. But um, uh, the idea that you've got a core series, you've got tie-ins, but they are their own thing rather than interrupting a title's run. Um, and and there weren't a huge ultimately there weren't a huge number of supplementary stuff it's not like the sequel where they just kept throwing things at you each one of these i think apart from uh bats out of hell i think it makes a case for its existence um i'm gonna go with ted and say it's a six i uh, if you read the event itself it seems really uh you know massive uh but there were a lot of dc titles that just um basically it interrupted their runs and it wasn't intrinsic to their plots like uh i was reading uh, the green lantern uh how jordan and the green lantern core at the time and when i got to this issue not having red metal i was going what what's going on um and then next issue it didn't matter at all um so yeah I, i'm going to give it a six i think um you know but i think that could be a good thing that it didn't um disrupt all the titles and force them to do something so yeah all right now uh the writing steve what do you think of the writing it's getting a nine for me it's, it's not quite a 10 because there are a number of things throughout which are uh kind of left dangling and not really picked up on but that happens a lot with events uh, as an example um it's referenced in both the drowned one shot and in bats out of hell that Mira has been turned into some kind of giant sea monster thing by the, the aquabat. Um, and yet that's never touched on again. There's no moment where she's turned back. It's like, if you're going to mention it twice, you kind of need to resolve that. Even if it's just a panel of her going, Oh, hello, I've got arms again. <laughs> um, but otherwise it, it is a, a very consistent storyline. There's some great characterization within it. And it avoids being a bat event, despite being full of Batman. Um, for me, I I think it's a six. Just um, I thought the writing was the weakest part of it, and I, I think I I bristled a bit at the recasting of uh, Hawkman in this, and Hawkman's role sort of seems to come out of nowhere. That you know he's been obsessed with metal for generations, and yeah, this is his pet hobby that he's always on about and he assembles the challenges of the unknown to me that was like you know pulling toys out of the toy box and um making them work together in ways that isn't very consistent with the dc universe prior to that but there, there are real highs in the writing i think like the when i started reading the 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 one shots about the batman I think, oh, here we go and they're actually really good. Like the, all the writers involved mm. with those did a really good job. And you get to the one about the the Batman who laughed, and it's so dark. Like I think it's one of the darkest things I've read from the DC universe in so long. It's proper horror, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. psychological yeah. and physical. Yeah, it's just gross. <laughs> you, you you can argue very successfully who laughs has been massively overused since then, but that one shot is is a cracker. Oh, definitely, definitely. Both the writing and the art on that one. Yeah, Riley Rosmo, superb. Yeah. I mean, the Batman who laughs is the Poochie of um, Batman villains um, after this, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm. Just read the series that was Snyder and Jock and forget everything else. (laughs) I wish I could. Um, Yeah, so I'm giving it a six because I I, I think, yeah, just all the elements that are pulled together sort of there just seems to be a bit of hang on hang on hang on this is this is not what the challenge is about this is not what hawkman's about and 
for an event that's going, okay, we're going to tie into what came before New New 52 even, we're going to tie into some of that. Um, there, you know, like the the death of Batman and in Final Crisis and things like that. There's a willingness to just override some things, and it's weird that it's Hawkman because Hawkman is um, the poster boy for stupid continuity changes. Um, so, yeah, w- what did you think, Ted? I'm gonna go with Steve and uh, uh, give the writing a nine. Uh, it certainly there were there's room for improvement, no doubt about that. But at the same time, it was very refreshing to see the the wackiness of the DC universe embraced so fully in a series that's so tonally uh, different to the wackiness. I thought uh, Scott Snyder did a very good job of pulling together some of those disparate elements and making them work. Uh, certainly, I uh, would not have thought that uh, you could do a uh, Im- impactful, meaningful story with Detective Chimp and uh, evil uh, Batman from the Dark Multiverse, but they made it work. And he, even though, as we mentioned before, the the part about the source wall was really abrupt, the setting up of the new uh, era of the Justice League, I thought, was well done. As Steve uh, mentioned, that uh, uh, ending the series with the uh, the uh, the blueprints. The architectural blueprints for the new Hall of Justice uh, was a great uh, final moment. Okay. Um, it actually just occurred to me as we were talking that we also don't see what happens to Lois and Jimmy because they are doomsday monsters as well. Um, but, I mean, perhaps... That's it, true, yeah. Perhaps it's a strength that we don't see this because clearly we know that they all went back to normal. We just didn't see it spelled out. So maybe, maybe that's a good thing that we didn't go through the motions with that stuff and focus on it. Hmm. Anyway, just a thought. I mean, I mean, the way it, it does this thing where it, it reaches a, <laughs> it crescendos, which is a word quite appropriate to this. Um, and then it just, it cuts away. We don't see the final fight. We just cut to the epilogue and it's, oh, we don't need to see the fighting and the hitting. So maybe, yeah, we don't actually need to see the, the ticking off. Well, of course, Jimmy and Lois aren't going to be doomsday monsters for the rest of Superman's life. And Iris as well. She was, yeah, yeah, it's all happening. Hmm. All right. So uh, where are we at? Ted, do you want to do the art and the covers? Uh, yes. And now um, I uh, mentioned earlier, no, before we started recording, I'm going to give the art both the six and the ten, which we can average <laughs> out to an eight. Um, the uh, the series itself, I, I give the art uh, a six. Uh, there are some very uh, good artistic elements throughout. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Riley Rossmo's work on the Batman Who Last One Shot uh, really stands out. Uh, um, on the Batman Law series with Doug Monk and Jorge Jimenez, and uh, who I forget who the, the third one was, but still there were some very uh, strong bits in that one. And there was also, um, uh, in, in the prequel uh, stories, The Dark Days, Forge and Casting, uh, some good art by Jim Lee and uh, John Romita and Andy Kubert. So those uh, were really well. Overall, on the main series, I thought Greg Capullo's work, to me, seemed rushed. It just didn't... Uh, the, the artwork on the main series wasn't satisfying to me because for that reason. The covers, on the other hand, uh, there were like literally... You know, there are 26 issues total. There were over 100 covers altogether uh, with all the variants out there. And um, believe it or not, I think the most popular thing I've ever done on the Internet was my uh, my, my metal uh, Pinterest page, 
where I posted all the variant covers. And uh, even though I haven't, I went a year and a half without posting anything to the, the metal Pinterest page. Uh, I was still constantly getting uh, uh, people uh, downloading it and, and uh, pinning it to their own sites. So certainly the, the covers were by far the most popular uh, thing, uh, aspect of that. So the covers, I'll give a 10. So overall, I would average the art out to an 8. Mm-hmm. And Steve? Uh, I'm giving it a, a 9. I absolutely love Greg Puller's artwork. When the New 52 started, I had no idea who he was. I was like, what's he doing on the Batman book? And he, he became the definitive, I think, 21st century Batman artist. Spreading his wings to cover the DC universe just showed how great he can be. And uh, I just love the way it looks. And and so many of the contributors to the one shots are doing fantastic stuff. You know, we, we get a lovely Francis Manipal issue. It just give me anything that he's drawing, um, for instance. Um, the thing that stops it from being a 10 is that noted comic skater, uh, Ethan Van Skyver gets two issues and a bunch of covers here. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was right at the end of his career, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the last thing Ed- Eddie Beganza was involved in too when he got um, finally removed. Yeah, he was off shortly afterwards. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he actually his his name showed up in the credits for a few months after he was canned. But uh, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was right in the, yeah right in the middle of metal that uh, he was actually fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, for me, the art and the covers, um, really, really good, really, really good art. I mean, I, I think I had a, a I had a, an opinion that this event wasn't, you know, uh, there was things wrong with it. And when I actually read it, it was like eh, it's a lot better than I thought. And the art is very solid and. I th- there's something really modern about this thing. It's really modern feeling. It's not a, a throwback um, style. You know, it, it, it's very much, you know, of its time and very, you know, pr- pretty great. And so I'm going to give it a nine for the art and the covers overall. Which brings us to the final part, the impact and legacy. So, right, Ted, what do you think about the impact and legacy of Dark Knight's Metal? Well, for a series that... Uh, only ended less than three years ago. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine because even though it didn't seem to have much of an impact on the DC universe while it was being published, uh, since then uh, it seems to have really uh, taken a hold. There was, of course, um, uh, the lead-in to Scott Snyder's uh, new Justice League series, as well as the other the spinoffs, uh, Justice League Dark and Justice League Odyssey. Uh, there was, of course, the whole uh, new line of heroes, which, while it uh, most of the titles didn't last, a terrific uh, lasted right up until the pandemic struck. So that was a, a good one. And they're also fond uh, the uh, spinoff miniseries, The Batman Who Laughs. There was a huge influence on the one of the next crossover events, uh, Year of the Villain. And they recently did a sequel uh, the death metal series. So uh, since metal was published, it certainly uh, has loomed very large in the DC universe. Even uh, uh, as an example, when DC Rebirth started, uh, the the big uh, uh, talk was over how the Jeff Johns's Doomsday Clock series was going to play such a big role. But it was that series 
really had no impact, uh, especially when compared to what happened with metal. So it was very, very impactful. Mm. And Steve, what do you think? Yeah, this is a a known for me as well. We're recording this on the 27th of February. It's a Saturday night for me, at least. Um, Actually, Paul, are you recording it on the 28th? Yes, I am. Yes, we're recording this at the end of February, the weekend at the end of February. We can come through the whole weekend. But on Wednesday, oh no, Tuesday, on Tuesday, this week is the start of Infinite Frontier, which is kind of the next big relaunch from DC. And you can't get to Infinite Frontier without starting with Metal, um, because Infinite Frontier kicks off after the end of Death Metal, which is the, the direct sequel to this. So it 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 has become as we move further away from it it's become even more impactful but if you talk in terms of direct impact it's really about what happened in terms of uh the justice league stuff with snyder coming on and the big overall story he told with perpetua in that which then led into death metal um in a very strange way but that's for another podcast but yeah this has had a big uh effect on the dc universe Mm, yeah, I I concur with uh, all your comments. I mean, it's a nine for me. It um, it feels like metal never really ends. If you follow the Justice League books, it's it's all about um, the what came out of it and what's coming next, and it's just continuous. And the year of the villain is literally a year of uh, impacts from this. Um, and then you get dark metal too, uh, or whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, absolute um, sequel and. The, the Batman who last becomes so intrinsic to the DC universe that every single person is sick of him by in, a, in two years' time. Yeah, so it, lots of stuff going on. And, I mean, it, it is significant that I think uh, Scott Snyder's influence sort of pushes Jeff Johns' influence to the side. And then you've got Brian B- Michael Bender's coming in with his influence. And that's sort of, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, it's very hard to... Uh, get out you know get in front of this and you know change where everything is going and i think uh yeah there's a little bit of a a writing editorial power struggle behind the scenes after this because this was so huge so hmm well that gives us all our scores so because i'm the semi mine gets halved so uh my total came to 30 and i'll halve that down to 15 Ted, your total was 32, and Steve, yours was 34. And if we add them all up, we get, ooh, 81. Wow, 81. So let's see where that puts it on the ladder. So I'm going to waitingfordoom.com, and we have a DCOCD ladder there, which shows all the episodes in order, or you can change it to all the rankings in order. So I'm looking at the ranking order at uh, waitingfordoom.com. So 81 puts this on equal 7th. (laughs) <laughs> what is going on? Equal seven. So it, this is the fourth event to have uh, seven of uh, eighty-one as its score. So it is equal with Batman: No Man's Land, Infinite Crisis, Flashpoint, and so it's joining that. So that that is a pretty uh, distinguished place to be on the ladder. So yeah. So check that out, everyone. All right. Um, now there's no feedback, which is uh, good because that speeds up the end of the show. Uh, now, gentlemen, what have you, uh, Ted? What have you got going on as far as what you do online, and where can people find you? Well, um, as I mentioned, the most popular thing I've ever done online is my Pinterest page. So you can go to pinterest.com/justicetrek. Uh, I also uh, recently appeared on Rob Kelly's Mashcast. Uh, I also, of course, have my Twitter feed under 
uh, my own name where I talk more about the politics, Ted Kil- uh, twitter.com slash ted.kilvington. And then uh, I also have my uh, twitter.com slash justice trek Twitter feed where I talk more about comic books. Ted always keeps us surprised of what he's reading, which I really enjoy seeing every day. Um, and Steve, where do people find you? Uh, so personally, I'm on Twitter at QuizLacy, Q-U-I-Z-L-A-C-Y. Um, uh, my podcast, or the podcast that I, I ran with uh, my co-host Andrew Leyland, which was the Fantasticast, a read-through of uh, Marvel's Fantastic Four and all associated times, that came to a conclusion at the end of 2019. Uh, we heard there was something happening in China, and we probably wanted to just free up some time in our lives for all that going out we were definitely going to do in 2020. Um <laughs> But whilst the podcast isn't an ongoing affair, you can still head to the fantasticast.com or, uh, you know, just look for the Fantasticast and pick up on over 300 back episodes of the show with uh, plenty of voices familiar if you've been listening to DCOCD, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, we missed that one. Um, and, and I'm Paul. You can find me here on uh, DCOCD and I also do uh, Waiting for Doom. But we're on a little bit of a break because there's not a lot of Doom news and we have finished covering everything to do with the Doom Patrol. Um, but we will be you, back. You quite literally have to wait for more Doom. We literally do. <laughs> do an episode. <laughs> but every now and again, me and Mike will do a Gary show, which is us, us talking about whatever we feel like. So, yeah. So next time, next time we're going to be doing uh, Heroes in Crisis. Oh, nothing to say about that one. Mm. Anyway, if you want to get in touch with us at this show, uh, you can contact us on Twitter at DCOCDcast. You can send us emails to DCOCDcast at gmail.com. And waitingfordoom.com, has, uh, you can leave uh, comments at the end of the show posts, and uh, many people have done that in the past. So thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for giving up your end of February for this. And, uh, yeah, really appreciate it. And we'll talk to everybody soon on the next DCOCD. Bye.